uh, more information, you can go to weru.org and uh, get directions on how to get to that sing-along. Now, stay tuned. Main Currents with Amy Brown is coming right up. And this is Maine Currents, independent local news, views, and culture for Wednesday, August 31st, 2016. I'm Amy Brown. Today I have two guests with me in the studio. They are friends who, like many this election season, have been thinking about the upcoming presidential elections and the whole debate about voting for the lesser of two evils versus possibly throwing your vote away by voting your conscience. They wanted to share their discussion with you, our listeners, and invite you to join the debate. And this will be the first show that we've been able to do as a call-in show since the lightning strike did extensive damage here at the station back at the end of July. So we're looking forward to hearing from a lot of you. We'll be opening the phone lines a little bit later after the guests have each had a chance to lay out their arguments. And at that time, we'll be inviting you to call in with comments about this topic, as well as comments, because it's been dominating the news this week, about the governor's behavior and what, if anything, you should be you think should be done to address that. So we'll be opening the phone lines after the guests have a chance to speak. And the number, if you want to write it down now but don't call yet, is 469-0500. My guests today are Robert Shetterly and Hal Crowther. Rob Shetterly graduated in 1969 from Harvard with a degree in English literature. He was active at that time in the civil rights and anti-Vietnam war movements. He moved to Maine in 1970. For 12 years, he did the editorial page drawings for the Maine Times newspaper and illustrated National Audubon's children's newspaper, as well as more than 30 books. Rob's paintings and prints are in collections all over the U.S. and Europe, and for the past 10-plus years, he's been painting the Americans Who Tell the Truth portrait series, which many in this area are familiar with. That exhibit's been traveling around the country since 2003, and in 2005, Dutton published an award-winning book of portraits by the same name. The portraits have given Rob Shetterly an opportunity to speak with children and adults all over the country about the necessity of dissent in a democracy, the obligations of citizenship, sustainability, U.S. history, and how democracy cannot function if politicians don't tell the truth, if the media don't report it, and if the people don't demand it. Shetterly has engaged in a wide variety of political and humanitarian work with many of the people whose portraits he has painted, including environmental and social justice activists and whistleblowers. Since 1990, he's been the president of the Union of Maine Visual Artists and a producer of the UMVA's Maine Masters Project, an ongoing series of video documentaries about Maine artists. He has also received numerous honors and awards. And Hal Crowther has also received many awards and much critical acclaim for his work. He's a critic and essayist who lives in North Carolina and spends summers here in Maine. He's the author of An Infuriating American, The Incendiary Acts of H.L. Mencken, which was published in 2014. He's also a former syndicated columnist, screenwriter, and news magazine editor at both Time and Newsweek. His most recent collection of essays, Gather at the River, was a finalist for the National Book Critics Circle Prize in Criticism. Crowther's essays have been published in many magazines and newspapers, from Granta to the New York Times, and included in many anthologies, including the 2014 Pushcart Prize volume for The Joys of Obsolescence. Author and scholar Kirkpatrick Sale has praised Hal Crowther as the best essayist working in journalism today. And these are just abbreviated versions of their bios. So uh, very impressive, guys. Anything that I left out that you want to add? 
Um, I, ju I just want to add this that, is hell. that I'm one of the people that uh, Rob painted as an American who tells the truth. Oh, no kidding. And so I, it just gives me a little leg up here. <laughs> <laughs> And I'll have them both give their websites. Maybe it gives me a leg down. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you both. I know you've both been here at WERU before. Hal, you've been here a few times. Rob, you've been here many, many times. Uh, welcome back to both of you today. And we decided before we started that Hal would go first. We're going to have Hal lay out his arguments. Uh, then Rob will say his piece. And then if they have any questions for each other, we'll let them do that. And then we'll open the phone lines and I will have some questions as well. And so we're going to start with who you're voting for and why. Hal Crowther. Uh, well, I'm certainly uh, going to vote for Hillary Clinton. And um, I sort of see, you know, my role here um, sort of like Sarah Silverman's was at the convention, which is to sort of reach out to the Bernie people who are all, you know, sulking in their corner and say, for God's sake, you know, let's take this seriously. Look at the man who's crouched in the other corner. And I, uh, I picked up the Times today and found the very mild-mannered Thomas Friedman, who usually doesn't. Uh, take strong steps in any particular direction. His column begins, anyone who says it doesn't matter whether Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton wins this election needs their head examined. The damage that Trump could do to our nation with his blend of intellectual laziness, towering policy ignorance, and reckless impulsiveness is absolutely in a league of its own. Hillary has some real personal ethics issues that she needs to confront, but she does have the chops to be president. Um, I, I think that we never have had a, a candidate. I, I think the whole issue here, and I just wrote about it myself, I'll quote something that I published recently in the Progressive Populist, is stopping uh, any chance that this man might be elected president of the United States as Donald Trump, who of course has no, not only has no qualities and no, you know, <laughs> no experience of any kind that's relevant, but there's basically no one worthy of respect in this country who respects him. And that has never happened before. Um, it's, it's been said several times, this is no time to sit at home. This is Paul Revere time. I think the journalists have said this is the, the, the Murrow moment, like when Murrow finally you know, took a stand and stood up to McCarthy. Uh, I think it's really significant the number of people who have been uh, anti-Clinton all their lives and been Republicans who this last two or three months have stood up and said, uh, we will not, we cannot go along with what the Republicans have done to us here. And I, I had uh, dinner a couple of nights ago the former chief of staff for John McCain, who's a friend of mine. Uh, he's been a Republican all his life. He's voting for Hillary as well. Uh, the, even Charles Krauthammer may be the most obnoxious and difficult person for me to swallow, and the entire roster of right-wing pundits uh, has suggested that he will vote for Hillary Clinton, which is outrageous. And George Will, whom I've known for many, many years, has no longer, uh, you know, he will no longer hold allegiance to the Republican Party after all these years. And you'd have to have known George in his prime to understand what an amazing change that might be. 
but uh, Gail Collins also said a couple of things in the Times that I that I I feel I need to repeat uh, to make my point. Here's the bottom line, says Gail Collins. There are only three things you can do when it comes time to elect a president. You can stay home and punt. You can choose between the two major party candidates. Or you can cop out by doing something that looks like voting but has no effect whatsoever on the outcome of the race. That includes strategic strategies about writing in the name of a retired general, leaving the top line blank, or voting for a third-party candidate who has as much chance of winning as the YouTube keyboard cat. Voting for Gary Johnson is exactly the same as staying home, except that it involves going outdoors. Ditto for Green Party candidate Jill Stein, a doctor who has a very strange attitude toward childhood vaccinations. Most of the Green voters who voted for Ralph Nader undoubtedly thought they were showing their disdain for both Bush and the deeply imperfect candidacy of Al Gore. And Nader, whom I spoke to on the phone, this is Gail Collins speaking, is a man of fine principles. But look where those 100,000 votes got us then. Nader himself doesn't feel guilty, and he's not voting for either Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton in November. They're not alike, he said, but they're both terrible. Well, my, as a journalist, uh, my personal take on all this is that the system is already broken and has been broken for a long time. When you talk about what you would like in, a, in an election, uh, Molly Ivins, a friend of, of ours who died a few years ago, said in 2006, if we can't get the money out of politics, we lose the democracy. As far as I'm concerned, we lost it. It's gone. It's just a wash with money. It's a wash with lies and fraud. And, and there's nothing much that we can do about that. What, what we can do, as long as we have this one small bit of leverage, our votes, is try to head off the most dreadful thing that might happen to this country. Um, I, in my opinion, it's never about high standards or even high hopes. It's about how low compromise and cunning trade-offs can head off the barbarians at the gate. I, I must say that never in my life have I imagined or expected a president that I would revere, much less so after becoming a journalist. All right. That's something to start with. Thanks. That's Hal Crowther. <laughs> Thanks, Hal. And up next is Robert Shirley. Go um, ahead, Rob. <clears throat> Thank you, Amy. Thanks for having us here. And um, Hal, thanks. That was terrific. I mean, I, I think one of the things that I feel like I need to be doing here today is not to tell you that you're wrong, because I don't think you're wrong. Uh, I, my real thoughts about this have to do more with ideas about uh, democracy and, and where that leaves us. And I think you, you know, you pretty much uh, uh, said what needs to be said about the, the state of this country's uh, democratic uh, principles. But I, I do want to just quibble about something you said right there at the end about Ralph Nader. I think it was the New York Times itself who report, did a, the uh, study um, after the 2000 election that concluded that if they had counted the votes, actually counted them all, 
And if the people who had been disenfranchised by Jeb Bush and Catherine Harrison had been allowed to vote, uh, Gore would have won. It wasn't Nader who stole that election. It was then the Supreme Court who stopped the voting. I mean, there was the corruption in the system. It wasn't a third-party candidate. I mean, in my view, we desperately need um, third-party candidates because they seem to be, in my estimation also, the only people who are really telling the truth at this moment about uh, what needs to happen to, uh, for us to sanely engage the urgent issues of this time. But I, I want to say a few things just about the nature of voting and how, it, just to kind of step back from it in a second and say how this makes me feel as a theoretically a member of a democracy and a citizen. And I want to you know, sort of ask the question as, um, do I really have a, a vote if I can't vote for the world that I want to consider sane? Um, for addressing the issues that I think are most urgent. Isn't then voting for the lesser of evils, ironically, voting against the idea of democracy? Isn't it disenfranchising yourself? Isn't it using the elemental tool of democracy, voting, to, to tear the edifice down rather than build it up, like using a hammer to destroy rather than to build? I fully understand the urgency of defeating Trump. I mean, there are probably people who are listening, or certainly are, who you know, consider voting for Hillary the lesser of evils. Uh, I think there are a lot of those folks out there. But, I mean, we're coming from a, you know, a different perspective here. But uh, for them, it's the same thing. And, you know, if, if we had ranked choice voting, we wouldn't even be here. Or if we hear, we might be talking about why we don't have ranked choice voting. You know, what the, what's the power that's making us not have that? But um, exactly what is my role as a citizen? Am I supposed to compromise my values? Um, in order to, to vote. My role as a citizen, my obligation, may not be to make the same compromises that politicians make, but to adhere to those values, to insist on what I consider moral and sane. We all know that our political and corporate system, as it's constructed now, how fully wealth and power are integrated into it, and that I, I vote for either candidate, a vote for either candidate is a vote to continue that system. I mean, that's the thing that I find most disturbing about this. I mean, I agree with you completely about your characterization of Trump, but I also uh, know where Hillary's allegiances are, where her money comes from, what her relationship to our military power is, and I'd like to talk about that more later, and what that means in relationship to uh, survivability uh, on this planet. Um, you know, we... Uh, you know, we were in a... Um, you know, a very difficult set of uh, crises, you know, and the most urgent one perhaps is climate change, but which I don't think that uh, Hillary is prepared to adequately deal with or even name the problem. But I also think that she is far from being able to uh, understand what the nature of U.S. empire is doing to the world and how it's related to climate change and uh, also how that has totally undermined um, how we how we interact with everybody in the world. We have built basically uh, an economy around empire, and any threats to that economy are taken as a threat in our, to our foreign policy. And I think that that issue um, is one of the most dangerous we're we're facing. And then, you know, as you know, many people look at Trump and they wonder about his his sanity. Um, I don't know what to think about that. I, I, I mean, there's certainly a lot to be said about it. I don't think people would question necessarily 
Hillary the same way, but they would have to question the system that she supports and operates in the same way. It is an insane system. And um, so I would, you know, coming up to this election, I, I struggle very much with what to do. I mean, I know Noam Chomsky's solution is to say, well, you know, if you're in a state that is clearly going to go, say, for, for Hillary, use your freedom then and your, you know, moral passion to vote the third party that actually reflects what you think is sanity in the world. If it's much closer than that, we do need to defeat this man. But I object, I feel very um, marginalized by the sense that um, I've got to do that, you know, vote for Hillary, um, because it feels that then that I have denied my own responsibility as a citizen of the world. I'm going to let you two ask questions of each other. Let me give out the phone number in case listeners want to join the conversation as well. Phone number is 469-0500. You're listening to Maine Currents. I'm Amy Brown, and my guests today are Hal Crowther and Robert Shetterly. We're talking about the debate about voting for the lesser of two evils versus voting your conscience. And Hal, you do have a question for me? Yeah, I, I, of course, I don't disagree with you either in, in any of the analysis that you just gave. I, I should I should throw in, a, you know, the... The Nader in Florida uh, argument goes on and on, but uh, at David Halberstam's funeral, a couple of years after that, every journalist in America was in the Riverside Church in New York, and when they recognized Nader walking through the lobby of, of this church, there were cat calls, uh, <laughs> hisses on all sides, which he ignored handsomely, I thought. But most journalists thought that, particularly when he ran the second time, that he had had let his uh, his personal, you know, ego or whatever step in the way of sane decisions. I I think that um, you know again, there are only two possibilities here: either she wins or he wins. If she wins, it's no worse for the people or the causes that. I think both of us care about. And after what Sanders did to the Democratic Party this year, it might be a little better, I think. If he wins, everything is much worse for everybody and the worst people in this country, the bigots, fanatics, fascists, capitalist predators, the hardened haters of every stripe, they have their champion in the White House. They win. And I think the argument, you know, that I would think would have an effect on you, I mean, you can talk about the Supreme Court, the Environmental Protection Agency, the FDA, the FCC, the SEC. He's probably going to, if he could, he would dismantle them all. Civil rights, the environment, gun control, health care. But worst of all for me, and the, the liberal, I, I do consider myself a liberal, although I have some very uh, heretical attitudes uh, in, in the libertarian area myself. But I always thought that the liberal's primary commitment is to support the underdog. And electing Trump or allowing him to be elected is basically throwing the underdog under the bus. You, uh, I, I believe that. And leaving them unprotected, if not actively oppressed. We've got a couple callers on the line, so I'm going to uh, ask you if you have a quick response to that. We'll take the calls, and then we'll get back to this discussion. Rob, yeah, did you yeah. want to respond to it? Yeah, just briefly. I, I mean, I, I don't disagree with that. I, I don't, what I do, 
want to disagree with just slightly, though, is I think as Americans, because of this country's power uh, and influence so broadly, and also the havoc it wreaks uh, in many places in the world, that when we vote here, we have to be thinking about uh, our role as citizens of the world, not just as citizens of this country. And um, there are a lot of people, say, around the world in places maybe like Syria, Iraq, Yemen, who would think that um, voting for Hillary is going to make their lives maybe even worse than it is now. And um, I don't necessarily think that um, – I mean, not, what I don't mean by that is, oh, one should vote for Trump. That just is not exactly what I don't mean. What I mean is um, it's not going to be a solution for a lot of people in the world. Um, not that, you know, he might even be worse. I don't know that. We don't know. You know, when you say the lesser of evils, uh, you don't know what those evils are exactly. Uh, well, we, one thing we do know that is, I think, evil is having to make that choice. Uh, we should be voting for the better of goods. I would think that as a, as a um, citizen of a, of a democracy, there are now millions of people who would want to vote the better of good, to feel exuberant about voting, actually thinking that they're solving problems. Let's, let's take a call. Let's okay, leave it sorry. on that note and take a call because you've got a couple people lined up. Again, we're talking about the voting for the lesser of two evils. We're also, as we open up the phone lines, if anyone wants to talk about the governor's recent behavior and what, if anything, should be done about it. Since this is the first call-in show we've been able to do for five weeks since the lightning strike, we're open to hearing comments about that as well, although we don't have the guests in the studio. are welcome to weigh in on that if they want, but that's not the topic they're here to discuss. So we'll just be doing those comments sort of soapbox style. Hugh and Penobscot, welcome to Main Currents. Yes, thank you. I would like to caution the Hillary supporters uh, to be very aware of being patronizing, because when you are patronizing by saying that we are sulking in our corners, the rest of everything you have to say sounds like outhouse effluence. Um, I was 18 when I had the honor of voting against Ronald Reagan in 1980, and I have not ever, ever voted for a significant politician in my entire life until Bernie Sanders came along. So for you to patronize me with sulking in my corner, I'm not sulking. I'm pissed. (laughs) Hillary and her husband are the best Republicans we've had for years. Bernie Sanders had my vote with my blessing. I did not want to have to vote against the worst, you know, the worst person again. So I just caution Hillary supporters to realize that you have to woo us. You don't have to patronize us. Thank you very much. Thanks for calling, Hugh. Let's let Frank weigh in as well, and then we'll let the guests uh, respond to both of you. Frank from Lemoyne, welcome to the program. Yeah, hi, it's Frank Donnelly from Lemoyne. Um, I'm in the middle of just starting to read, reading a book, Letters to the Wall, that I wrote a letter to, and so did Rob, from the Veterans for Peace. So that has some influence on some of the things I'm thinking. What, uh, Frank, we had a hard time hearing you. You just wrote a letter in what? Well, I'm reading the book, Letters to the Wall. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm sitting here in the Home Depot. I can't be any higher in Ellsworth at the Home Depot parking lot. <laughs> but anyways, and so that has an influence on some of my thought. And then last night I worked for three hours phone banking for ranked choice voting, which was fairly interesting. And most of the people were over 65. That was the bracket I was on the computer. But anyways, when are we going to vote for a third-party candidate? When is it going to be the right time? And and I'm voting third-party candidate because the right time is when it's time for your brain to say it's the right time, not to wait around for some utopia BS. Ain't never going to happen. 
vote when you think it's the right time. And I would never vote for Donald Trump. But at least he lets you know where he's coming from. He's not as sleazy as the other person running for politicians. If she could go back to being 19 again, she'd be real good. But, man, there, there's no reason that people like the Clintons need to make as much money as they do going around yak-yacking. It's all BS. They're bigger establishment than Trump ever thought about there. They're, they're not even in the same league as their cohorts are. He is buffoon, but we know what she is. They're real slime balls. They're real sleazy people. I wouldn't trust them no matter what. Okay, that's about it for me. Thank, thanks for your call, Frank. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Maine Currents on WERU. I'm Amy Brown. My guests today are journalist Hal Crowther and artist activist Rob Shetterly. They are debating voting for the lesser of two evils. We are opening the phone lines, but we're going to pause between calls and let them uh, respond, and we'll do that now. Yeah, I'd like to help to say something. Um, I, 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 you, I, you could hear some of the the uh, effect. I think of the many, many years of demonization of Hillary Clinton that's been going on in, the, in certain media. Um, I think, you know, they, I think I say in my article here that I wrote, uh, why don't I quote myself? But, but I, I want to say first, it's not, to me, not remotely, not remotely a choice here between two equivalent evils. It's a choice between multiple myeloma and a bad cold <laughs> in terms of the difference it would make in the lives of Americans. And I have a problem, I have to admit, I mean, I'm just as discouraged about the system as anybody, and I've never even belonged to a party in my life, and I've never had a hero, and I've never, you know, followed any particular ideology. But the, the whole system, when you say, you know, some of the things that Rob was saying, you really only have one choice. You can stay here and try to protect the things that you think are important, that are working or that might work or that someone will work in the right direction for, or you can – I don't see any difference between throwing your vote toward a candidate who has no chance whatsoever and whose program you might not even approve of and moving to Canada or Portugal. I must say, and uh, I mean, that's the way I feel about it. We've got a couple of callers waiting. Rob, do you want to weigh in first? Yeah, a couple of things. I, um, I, at first, is I wanted to say something to Hugh, who was calling about Bernie. Um, I think the, um, the thing that um, disturbed me, even in the Bernie campaign, and I, you know, I agree with you that he was uh, uh, certainly was saying a lot of things like they really are, and inspired a lot of people, and then it was actually the DNC who um, used undemocratic means to exclude him. I mean, there we see their own contempt for democracy. But uh, the thing that disturbed me about him was he uh, couldn't even talk about the war machine in this country. And that's where we are. That's, you know, the evil that is also very much part of the Hillary problem, is that, uh, you know, she's so bound in with that system. And I just want to say one thing to Frank, uh, who's, when he mentioned Letters to the Wall, that's actually a very important book just published by Veterans for Peace. It's um, veterans of Vietnam and other people of that era writing letters to the Vietnam Memorial Wall in Washington. Mm -hmm. It's an amazing book. Uh, and I think what he was getting at is that when you look at the damage done by the militarism of this country, um, it is appalling. And uh, should give us all pause. I mean, my role is here, is, it seems to me, is not to, I don't want to 
you know, say we shouldn't do the pragmatic thing at this moment, but we've got to be aware of what we are doing and what we are going to get if Hillary wins and how much we need to be working against the worst aspects of what she represents. Oh, well, take a few more calls now. Could, we, could, uh, I, could I say one more thing? Briefly, we've got a couple of people I've been waiting yeah. for a few minutes on the lines. Um, this is this is the way I think I, I came as close to summing it up in the most recent thing that I've written. A Clinton restoration was among the very last things that I had hoped for at the end of Obama's second term. When you speak of baggage, the Billery baggage train is a hundred cars long. <laughs> but Hillary Clinton is a competent, sane, uniquely experienced person who might make an excellent one-term president if she has the good sense to step down when she's in her mid-70s. Her choice of a running mate showed very good sense, I think. When she's the only choice that stands between us and the shattering international humiliation, and I should say, since Rob's been talking a lot about foreign policy, that the things that this idiot has said about foreign policy are so alarming that it's hard to imagine that anything that a, Hill a Clinton administration could do would be anywhere near as frightening to our, our friends or enemies anywhere. So let's take some calls. Again, you're listening to Maine Currents. The number is 469-0500. We've got both phone lines filled up now, so if you're getting a busy signal, keep trying. Again, 469-0500. My guests in the studio, Hal Crowther and Rob Shetterly. And David from Belfast, welcome to Maine Currents. Yes, hi. <laughs> It's a little hard waiting um, to, to keep my uh, focus here, but I'd like Thanks to comment on a, sure, on, a, on a few things. The, the, the first one has to do with the first caller and, and the idea of language that we use. Uh, the idea of talking about voting your conscience, um, the lesser of two evils. Uh, language has come through that if I'm vote, we're voting for Hillary, we're voting out of fear. All of these things I find not useful <laughs> and uh, in order to uh, move ahead and uh, be respectful to each other. Uh, I, might add, I might say that if I vote for Hillary, possibly I am um, showing that I'm more cor courageous. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, so at any rate, it gets, it, it, it gets very complicated. I, yeah, David, I think what we're referring yeah. to, there have been several polls, including one just last month from Pew, that uh, indicate that both Trump supporters and Clinton supporters run between 50 and 55 percent of them saying that they more are voting against the other candidate than for the candidate that they're going to vote for. So that's right. the, Yes, I understand that. So I would certainly be voting against Trump, and I, sh I share the, the fear of, uh, of Trump uh, <laughs> becoming uh, president. So here I just contradicted myself <laughs> on that regard. But at any rate, I, I am... Uh, I am in some ways excited, believe it or not, about working um, with, as part of the Democratic Party. I'm working for a candidate here in Waldo County, uh, and, and my son is working in Nassau County uh, for a Democratic uh, candidate, and he, he's very much part of the Occupy movement. And uh, I, when I ever, when I get kind of lost politically, I always go back to Martin Luther King, who, you know, he talked about his great speech, when he talked about militarism classism, racism, and I don't think Martin would mind if we added the environment to, the, to that list. And we're, we, we think another world is possible, and we're not, if we vote, I, I'm not um, uh, going against my um, beliefs and my conviction that I believe another world is possible if I vote for Hillary. 
So I think I'll, I'll just leave it there. Okay. okay. Thank yeah, you. Thank, thank you. you for your call, David. We're going to take one more call, and then we'll pause to let our guests weigh in. Renee from Franklin, welcome to the program. Hi, Amy. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, Renee. Renee hey, is uh, one of our roundtable, uh, multi-partisan roundtable uh, panelists. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, was I complete? It's a lot easier when I'm in the studio. But I'm an American who tells the truth, <laughs> and um, so is our governor, by the way. And also, I, I believe so is Bernie Sanders. You know, the Bernie Sanders supporters strike me as people who um, value integrity and truth. You know, and I I do like your topic, Amy. But the lesser of two evils, though, is still evil, and and I don't um, ascribe to the whole theory of voting against anything. I, I'd much rather vote for something, and uh, I have to be the one who lives with that vote. So, um, you know, I hate to disappoint Hal, but uh, I'll be voting for the adults. I'll be voting for Gary Johnson and Bill Wells this go-around. And, um, you know, we're, we're never going to change the world and make it a better place by committing the fallacy of fatalism. It's complete circular reasoning and it guarantees no changes and so i would i would encourage people to vote their conscience and i don't think that's a throwaway vote i also don't think abstaining from any issue on the ballot if you are not um versed in it and you don't actually um you haven't done your homework let's say you know you don't know who the candidate is don't just mark the box vote for something that you know about and you believe in yeah so that's where I come down on the whole thing. Th- thanks for calling, Renee. Appreciate it. And yeah. uh, listeners, you can hear Renee's perspective as well as uh, the rest of our multipartisan roundtable uh, group will be back again next week at this time on Main Currents, and they'll be taking on the issue of marijuana legalization that will be on the ballot in November. We've got another caller waiting. We're going to ask you to be patient so that Hal Crowther and Rob Shetterly, my guests here in the studio, can weigh in on the last couple of calls that we received from David in Belfast and Renee and Franklin. Either one of you have any responses, or should we move on to the next call? Um, yeah, I, I, have, I have a couple of responses. I, I, I have a hard time understanding people who think that the only solution is to just, you know, l- let the dogs of war loose and, and just see if we can just explode the whole country in a situation. Um, you think about the most important issues. I mean, these, these would be my choices. Um, we need to do something about guns. We need to do something about about climate change. We need to do something about what is almost turning into a race war with these sh- shootings in various places. And we need to do something about what Bernie Sanders pointed out, the ridiculous income equality. And if anyone could be on the wrong side of every one of those issues and as far on the wrong side as he could possibly be, it would be Donald Trump. I don't think I need to explain that in any of those cases. But I mean, the the idealism that some of these people are expressing, I share, but my feeling is that if you want to change the system, start in your hometown, support candidates for, for minor offices and so on. This damn presidency, is, it's a Super Bowl. It's Miss America. It's a giant joke of a sort. But we do have some control over the result. And that man in the White House, that woman in the White House, I hope, will have you know, an influence that could be better. Bob Shetterly? Yeah, I, I wanted to 
underline something that Hal just said about uh, working locally. I, I think the, the earlier caller, David, uh, was suggesting the same thing. I mean, uh, politics is not necessarily corrupt at that level at all, and people can accomplish amazing things, and probably the most important work that we could be doing right now is locally. Uh, and so that would be one of the big drawbacks from having this kind of problem at the national level is that people get uh, too cynical about politics in general because we can and need to be engaged locally. And that's very important. Uh, I just want to say something quickly to Renee that about uh, including um, our governor LePage in, in a list of truth tellers. Uh, I think anybody who makes a habit of disrespecting uh, other people and in, in, in such a, a grandiose, intolerant way um, should never be included in, in a list of truth tellers. I mean, because uh, you can't treat people like that and expect to, uh, um, you know, have any kind of uh, dialogue that will move us anywhere. But the, uh, and this one other quick thing, I just want to add a couple of things to what Hal said about the list of the, the biggest problems. I mean, one we referred to earlier was, you know, we've got to get money out of our politics. Otherwise, uh, we're not going to be able to solve any of those problems that he listed. Uh, another big one, of course, is student debt. But I put right up at the top now, uh, and this is very related to the money in politics, is uh, the profit out of war. If those two things were done... Um, we would turn around, uh, we would have an awful lot of money uh, to spend on our uh, domestic issues, which are uh, so key and also are the big environmental issues. All right, Jody. Uh, on the other hand, if Al Gore had become president, we would have a hell of a lot more money to spend. <laughs> Jody from Harborside, thanks for your patience. Welcome to Maine Currents. Thank you, Amy, and thank you to both of the uh, discussants. Um, <laughs> I stand in awe of both of you. Um, I, I do think that I heard uh, a couple of things from Rob uh, about working locally, and uh, a few minutes ago he did say, I believe, <laughs> that I'm not necessarily saying we shouldn't do the pragmatic thing, uh, which makes me hope that he will be won over eventually to, to do the pr pragmatic thing. Um, I've been registered as a Green for years, and I'm not going back. Uh, I mean, I, I switched my registration um, after having done all I could for Sanders. Um, because I, I think that the work of the third parties, like the Greens, should be invested in, in precisely that, that local work. It's not time. It, it's, it's not we have to have ranked choice voting. We have to have uh, advancements in any number of things, which I think Sanders and Elizabeth Warren are both helping us to advance on. Um, we can all work locally, just as we have been. Um, we can support the work of Bruce Gagnon, who's just published a wonderful letter about what the profits of war really amount to in places like South Korea, um, his, his work, um, the, uh, the uh, remind me, Rob, of the name of his organization. Um, uh, the, well, it's a Global, global it's Network global, Against yeah. Weapons, yeah. weapons in Space. That, yeah. that is, is absolutely one. fabulous. And, and what's been happening um, in the establishment of military bases abroad is, is really criminal. Um, which brings me to yet another criminal thing that's at the forefront. 
uh, namely the vulgarity and the the racism and all of the other horrible things that LePage has been doing. I just took down the name of my Republican senator, namely Brian Langley, um, which is 667-0625, and and I urge everyone to call and say that he must resign or be forced to leave office because he's not going to change. His apology to Drew Gatine is not enough. Um, Some of the Republican legislators, like Amy Volk, have asked that that some corrective action be taken, and we just have to work on our own, our own local representatives and senators, because these these kinds of threats, um, really violent threats, have got to be curbed. He needs to go. Thanks. Thanks for your call, Jody. Uh, we'll take one more call, and then we'll have our uh, panelists weigh in again. And the number is 469-0500. You're listening to Maine Currents on WERU. I'm Amy Brown, and my guests are Hal Crowther and Rob Shetterly. We're talking about voting, the concept of voting for the lesser of two evils versus voting your conscience. And we're also taking calls if you'd like to weigh in on the governor's uh, behavior and what, if anything, should be done about it, although that's not these folks here may not have answers to any questions you may have about that. We're just uh, taking calls on that because this is our first call-in show in five weeks. So since the phone lines are open, we figured that's in the news. You may want to talk about that as well. Michael from Swanville, thank you very much for your patience and welcome to Maine Currents. Thank you, Amy. Um, thank you for hosting the show. Very glad you're back on the air. Um, my concern is that um, is that the voting for lesser of two evils is about. I think it's been addressed pretty roundly by other people. I think basically it's a fear-based choice. And, you know, if you're... If you're making your choice based on fear, then all that remains is for somebody to scare you enough, and you'll just do what they say. So that's no way to choose what you're going to do. Um, Secondarily, I think that one of the biggest issues that I see in the whole thing is that both Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump are pretty much hand-picked Zionist tools. And as long as they're... Zionist tools, they're not going to work for the United States. They're not going to work for the people of this country. They're going to continue to work for the state of Israel. And they're going to continue to help uh, Israel to uh, expand its territory, carry out its wars of aggression against its Islamic neighbors, and uh, generally just try to take over the world. And, you know, there's plenty of evidence. If you look at perhaps maybe nonalignedmedia.com, Brandon Martinez, who I respect greatly, has been doing a good job of of compiling uh, evidence that supports the, this conclusion that both candidates are really just completely controlled mouthpieces for the Zionists. I mean, even look at Hillary Clinton's campaign sign. It's, it, what is it? It's a blue, it's a light blue arrow moving to the right or maybe moving forward. But that light blue is the light blue anybody knows, wink, wink, that that's from the, the flag of the state of Israel. So her, her campaign sign really means Zionists moving forward. And then we have Ezra Levant out there, on the other hand, begging all Jews to vote for Donald Trump because nobody could do it better for Jews than Donald Trump. And what he really means is Zionism and Israel. And so we have both candidates are just pathetically head over heels in love with the idea of a world empire centered in Jerusalem, and they don't have anything for us. So why the heck shouldn't we vote for both of them? I've had enough. And in fact, I think it would be pragmatic not to vote for them, because if enough people just don't vote, then that means whoever wins can't say that they have a mandate, because when they actually count the number of people who voted, it will not, it will, it'll just be a joke. 
And that's about all I have to say for today. Thank you so much. Thanks for your call, Michael. Uh, Rob Shetterly, Hal Crowther, who would like to weigh in on the last couple callers before we take another call? I have nothing much to say about that last call. I, I think there's uh, ample evidence that Donald Trump is is uh, linked with many anti-Semitic individuals, including the new uh, campaign manager that he's just chosen from Breitbart, a man who has a, an ugly record when it comes to anti-Semitism. I think to see the whole world through that particular uh, prism is a, a gross mistake, although I certainly agree with some of the individuals that he was quoting. Uh, and there's no doubt that uh, that man who sits one of Trump's, by the way, the business of Trump's is casinos, right? And you also know there's a man named Sheldon Adelson who sits out in Las Vegas, and every Republican now has to come and kiss his ring in order to uh, sh share in the largesse that he doles out during every... I think when Ryan was elected or was chosen to be vice presidential candidate, uh, four years ago, the first thing he had to do was fly to Las Vegas to kiss the ring of Sheldon Adelson. And was, I, I would regard some of that as as paranoia, excuse me, caller, but uh, as paranoia. But it isn't entirely irrelevant. Okay. I, Rob, do you have anything for we yeah, move two, on? Two, two little okay. quick things. One is that um, I was glad that Judy, uh, Jody, sorry, Jody, uh, mentioned Bruce Gagnon. I mean, he, he happens to be another person besides Hal, whose portrait I painted. And I think that uh, he knows and, and actually goes to these places. And he's been recently to Okinawa and Jeju Island to see what the American military is doing in its pivot to Asia and uh, how uh, disastrously that's uh, taking our wealth and is also in inflaming tensions in the world. Um, and just one thing for Michael, I mean, I, uh, I think, uh, you know, reading too much into the, the arrow and the, the color of Hillary's, uh, uh, you know, posters is a, is a little much, but uh, I am also extremely concerned about her support for Israel, her blind support that totally disregards uh, the justice of the Palestinian uh, cause. And uh, I think that is another sign of... of uh, sort of where she comes down in regard to human rights around the world. We, I think, lost one caller in the mix there. So we either have Perry from Belfast or Elaine from Surrey up next. I believe it's Elaine. Are you there, Elaine? Yes, I am. Welcome Hi. to Maine Currents. Thanks for yeah. your patience. Hi. First of all, I want to compliment uh, you and your guests on the level of discussion here. They're so articulate, and it's it's really wonderful to listen to, um, you know, people who, who really are able to express themselves so well about this situation. Anyway, um, Renee's call, uh, she said something that prompted me to call, and uh, what she said was that she has to live with the, uh, her conscience uh, on uh, voting. And um, I would just add that you also live to have to live with the, um, the consequences of your, your voting. So it's not like voting begins and ends on voting day. There are consequences that you have to live with. So, you know, if, if what you're doing on voting day makes you happy, you know, and satisfies your conscience, there's, there's more to it than that. And I just wanted to put that out there. Thank you very much. Great. Thanks, thanks for your call, Elaine. Let's hear from David in Brooklyn, and then we'll pause again for comments from the guests in the studio. Welcome to uh, Main Currents, David. Thanks. Thanks for the show, and I'm glad to be able to call in. Uh, I, I just want to say that I am uh, I'm so tired of hearing uh, talking heads uh, 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 make uh, 
game of belittling Donald Trump. Uh, I'm not a Trump supporter, mind you, but I think we must change the basic ground of our discussion so that we recognize the reasons why Donald Trump has had such success with the electorate of this country. And I think until we address that, that uh, the electorate of this country is feeling so fed up with politics as they are now constituted that they will grab at the chance to vote for someone who, no matter what else he says in specific, is pretty roundly uh, 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 disestablishment uh, in his in his uh, uh, politics. Uh, he's, he's not a good Republican. He's certainly not a good Democrat. He's an individual, and he's a cranky old individual, and he's got a lot of problems, and that might well disqualify him from being president. But we can't talk about that. We have to talk about why he was nominated. And the same base that nominated him would have also been able to vote for Bernie. And I think it's a great tragedy that the, the political machinations of the Democrats uh, weren't able to see that uh, because of their subscription to the war machine and to the corporate world and to the new world order, which this is all leading toward. Uh, you look at Hillary's choice for vice president, how can anybody who supports Hillary go and do one more step and support her vice presidential candidate? Uh, uh, anyway, um, uh, I'm appalled by the whole situation, of course, and I, but I really think we need to talk about the reason why Trump and Bernie had such great success. And uh, not, you know, not the problem. Let's talk about why, why these people are able to speak to the voters. Because if we, as intellectuals, put down the masses of the people once again for being stupid, rather than for having the courage to express our own total frustration with the way things are, uh, if we put them down for being stupid instead, rather than try to be a mouthpiece for them and try to build the dreaded word solidarity, which I heard so well defended in uh, in the uh, uh, one of the recent uh, uh, programs on the station. Uh, David, uh, we just have about five minutes left. We've got another caller waiting. So you bring up thanks some great points, though. Thanks for calling in. So we're talking about outsiders versus insiders. I don't think either one of you uh, said anything about um, Trump supporters being stupid. But do you uh, want to weigh in on that? And then we'll yeah, have time for I'm, another call. There was a book called What's the Matter with Kansas that came out a few years ago. A man named Frank that uh, explained uh, the sort of the fact that that so many voters will vote against their own interests. It turns out that I mean they, I don't think you would say up front that they're stupid. 
I'm afraid there are a great many people who, who hold their prejudices as more important than their personal welfare or the success of their family. Uh, Kansas uh, was totally destroyed by every single thing the Republicans threw at them, and they voted Republican right down the line. And those southern states are going to vote for anybody who looks as if he's going to support the white citizens' councils, no matter what he does to their particular economic situation. People, if they're not dumb, maybe they're just mean. <laughs> Let's uh, hear from Perry from Belfast, and then we'll give each of our guests like a minute to to summarize. Thanks for uh, calling back, Perry. I know we lost you earlier. Uh, hello? Hi, is this Perry? Yes, it is. Hi. Um, yeah, I guess I just had a, um, a, a proposition for the, um, for the overall discussion, not, I guess, just in this setting, but overall, um, to sort of move away from arguing, you know, lesser two evils or voting for your conscience, and perhaps, um, if I can gather my thoughts again, um, sort of like the last caller was saying, discussing why these, um, these, both Hillary and Donald Trump have gained such success when really it seems that the entire voting population is just trying to vote against the other. Um, and really, I guess, my question is, is, if there's anything aside from voting, when voting seems to have such little effect, especially when the, um, the, uh, the Senate or the Electoral College might just, or the DNC might steal your ability to vote effectively or vote at all, um, if there's something that you the, um, might suggest, or disenchanted voters. Okay, let me let me cut you off there because we have literally two minutes left to the program, so they're not even going to be able to respond to that. But that's a good topic for further discussion in upcoming programs. We appreciate your call, Perry. And uh, we will have the third Thursday of the month, we have the Soapbox call-in show, so if you'd like to continue the discussion then, we also have Maine Currents. Uh, we'll be discussing the marijuana legalization issue on the Maine ballot this in this time slot next week. But I want to leave the last minute to each of our guests here. Um, Rob, do you want to go first? Is Rob sure, Shetterly? sure. I, I think I'll just frame it in the, in the uh, in res- quick response to some of the things that were said. I mean, I thought that Elaine's point was very good about the consequences of voting and taking that. It's like uh, talking about rights without talking about responsibilities. Uh, this is a, a, the issues that are going on right now around this election are are, are important to think about and, and, are, and I think we all need to struggle with them and see where we can go. I also thought that uh, David's point about um, why Trump has had success and why we need to, th- I mean that probably goes to the heart of who we are. Uh, we have to be dealing with that. Uh, you know, that's, we, we've, we've lived in a system now that uh, where many of us as citizens are taught to be cynical about it, the system which is no match for the cynicism of the people at the top, though, about how uh, the way they control it and, and what they ask uh, of us in return. And so I think that uh, there's an awful lot of reason for a lot of anger. The problem is it's not educated anger. And so, your website? AmericansWhoTellTheTruth.org. All right. Hal Crowther, you get the last word in about one minute to say it in. Well, I, I, I think that this went a lot um, you know, more toward foreign policy and so on than I would have thought. And certainly, uh, at, the, at the very least, you have to say that Hillary Clinton has an infinitely more experience 
even if you are really dissatisfied with many of her decisions and her, her personal history, this other, this Trump, this idiot, he talks, uh, you know, like uh, some madman from the Cold War about, you know, bombing them until the sand glows and so on. Uh, just terrifying. I mean, he's everything he's ever said is terrifying. But, I mean, I came at this much more with a sense uh, that the domestic issues were the most important ones. And I'm over, I'm over 70 years of age, and I don't want to live the rest of my life in a semi-fascist state, which is what we would have with Donald Trump in the White House and, both, and with the Supreme Court and both houses of Congress. I don't think I can live with that. And I'm a privileged person, a privileged middle-class person. And I think the people that are really losing here with anything like that would be the, the black people and the minorities. Um, imagine what Black Lives Matter would, how it would thrive. We're out of time. What's your website? I have no idea. You don't have, okay. <laughs> no, it's halcrowther.org. Sure. How could you not remember that? <laughs> we'll post Just links to name. both of their websites on the uh, archives of today's program, which will be posted on Friday. You've been listening to Maine Current's independent local news, views, and culture here on WERU. I'm your host, Amy Brown. Join us here every Wednesday at 4 for Maine Current. And as I said, next week, our bipartisan panel of local residents will be returning to discuss the marijuana legalization question on the Maine ballot this fall with supporters and opponents of that issue and we'll once again be taking your calls i'd like to thank john greenman and matt murphy for engineering today's program stay tuned for uh democracy now is coming up next and then jazz straight ahead with larry stahlberg here on community radio werufm 89.9 blue hill 99.9 bangor and streaming online at weru.org and thank you guys both great having you here Support for WERU comes from Maine Farmland Trust, a member-supported, nonprofit organization focused on reviving the working landscape and securing a future for farming in Maine. More information on protecting farmland and supporting farmers at mainefarmlandtrust.org. You're listening.